0: So, pray that you have your Bible with you this morning. We're going to talk this morning about the work of who? Of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, which is kind of confusing sometimes in, in, in the Baptist faith as well as many other faiths. But turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. Get out your sermon outline together. Hopefully you got your bulletin. As you can see, my nice picture work this week. Amen. I'm getting better every week, Anna Kim, and so she's, she's very excited about where I'm going with all of this, and so uh, she didn't think I had it in me, but you just, you just never know. But hopefully, you got your Bible, got your bulletin, John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. Now, I will always say that growing up in the 80s was the best generation. I, I, I'm a product of that. And I'm gonna tell you, one of the reasons I loved growing up in the 80s is because of Scooby Doo. <laughs> okay? I, I, I loved Scooby Doo every afternoon. I'd get off the bus, I'd come home, my great grandmother would be there, and she'd say, Okay, I know you probably want something to eat. I'd turn on the. Did anybody remember these days? Right? I mean, all of us that are in our 40s, 50s, we, we remember these days, right? Turn on the TV, and there at a certain time, every Monday through Friday, was Scooby-Dooby-Doo. And I mean, who doesn't love a talking dog with friends that go around trying to solve ghost stories in the back of a minivan? Amen? And you remember some of the bad guys, right? I'm going to refresh your all's memory this morning. Remember Minor 49er? Remember Redbeard? The Ghost Clown? Mr. Hyde? Or, of course, the Creeper? Right? We remember these guys. So as a kid, I knew Scooby-Doo was just a cartoon. But as a kid, we all realized that one's mind is easily persuaded about the supernatural. But even as an adult, I would go as far to say that adults have a suspicion or an allurement toward ghosts and what they truly are. Matter of fact, some people are so fearful of ghosts that they have a phobia that's called phosophobia because the ghostly paranormal in their mind, it creates fear, it creates anxiety, and it even creates delusions. But did you know? That in Christianity, there's also a ghost that we talk about. And this ghost is referred to as the what? The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And this ghost has some characteristics that change kind of depending on what denomination affiliation you may be tied to. In some denominations, people say they experience hysterical laughter said to be inspired by the Holy Ghost, or you can go places where people fall down on the ground, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Where You can go places where you'll see people even growl like animals, or they may speak in some unrecognizable tongues, all in the name of who? All in the name of the Holy Ghost. And you may think, well, Brother Donnie, let's talk about us, Southern Baptists. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about us as well, because here's the thing, even in the Southern Baptist faith, when you mention the Holy Ghost, for many people, our minds go blank. Our minds go blank, and we end up with these symbols like a dove, like wind, or fire. So this morning, we're going to look at the Holy Ghost, someone who is real, by the way, amen? Someone who is biblical and someone who is everlasting. And I'm going to share with you the promised work of the Holy Spirit, not from the mouth of Brother Donnie, but from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. So I want you to look at your Bible, John 16, verses 5 through 15. Listen to the work, listen to the words of Jesus. Verse 5, Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask. Why are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Now watch how this conversation turns. But I tell you the what? The truth. It's good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not what? Come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. Now follow me. In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not what? Believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to who? to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine, Lord. The day that you've made, we thank you for this new season, Lord, that is upon us in spring, Father God. It's a renewal as we look around. The grass is starting to green and and, and grow. The flowers are budding out. The trees, Father, are budding out. We see the birds making uh, new nests and and, and coming and going. And Father, we thank you for newness and a new opportunity, God, to get to to know you, and to get to serve you, Lord. And Father, I know the Holy Spirit is already at work right now. Father, there's people today that are confused of the Holy Spirit. Father, there's people that don't understand the Holy Spirit. Father, there's some here this morning that the Holy Spirit may not even reside in yet. And then, Father, there's some here this morning that need to have the Holy Spirit shook, shake their lives up a little bit. And so, Father, I pray this morning that whatever is preached, Lord, will be your will. Father, it's your word. And so, God, as we talk about the Spirit and the works of what the Spirit does, Father, remind all of us this morning that are in Christ, the Spirit lives within us. And, Father, for those that are here or maybe listening that don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives yet, Father, today can be a new day. It can be a new day of rejoicing. It can be a new day for the rest of their lives. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. So leading up to Scripture, here we are. We know that Jesus is in Jerusalem. He has celebrated the Passover meal with the disciples. He's washed their what? He's washed their feet. He has commanded them to love one another another he's predicted Judas's betrayal he's even predicted Peter's denial and he's told them that he would only be with them for just what a little while longer and so the heart of the apostles was where they were troubled they were scared. They were unsure about what was next. But Jesus, in His farewell speech, so-called, to the disciples, He wanted them to understand that He would not be leaving them, what? Alone. You know, one of the biggest issues that we have as people is loneliness. Amen? Nobody wants to be alone. And when Jesus started explaining his departure and the issues that he would have to go through, I'm sure the disciples became emotional. I'm sure the disciples became quite confused. I mean, wouldn't you be, if you had went back in those days and you had been following Jesus for three years, you'd seen the miracles, you'd seen the healings, you'd seen the teaching, you'd seen the bold preaching, and all of a sudden he looks at you and says, I'm getting ready to what? I'm getting ready to leave you. Wouldn't you be a little troubled? Wouldn't you be a little bit emotional? I mean, isn't that who we are? Every single one of us, when we lose someone close to us, what do we go through? Emotion. Troubles, right? And so these men, they love Jesus. They had given three years of their lives to follow Jesus around. All of those except one that was getting ready to what? Betray Jesus. And Jesus said, even in verse 6, He said, because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. Their hearts were sorrowful. But Jesus already had a plan, amen? In regards to His departure and His ascension back to the Father, if we look at verse 7. And in this verse, the Holy Spirit is called Counselor, according to the NIV. And the King James, He's called what? Comforter. And he's called the Helper in the in the New American Standard. Now, although these three translations use different names, it's the same Greek noun that applies. And it goes like this: He's summoned. He's called to one side. He's called to one's aid, one that pleads another's case before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate, an intercessor, a helper, an aide, an assistant. And so the counselor is also given a gender. Did you know that? The counselor is given a gender. Jesus calls the counselor, refers to this person as a him, And this proves that the Holy Spirit is just not some smoke or fly-by-night or a dove or made-up symbol. But Jesus points out that the Spirit is actually a person. And guess what the Bible says about this? The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit can be affected as a person. Thus displaying personality. Thus displaying feelings. Acts 5 says it's possible to lie to the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks of the sins of grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit. Stephen accuses adversaries of always resisting the Holy Ghost. So here in verse 7, Jesus told the disciples that it was to their advantage... Or they're good if he went away because he would send the what? The counselor to them. Now church, let's ask the question this morning. Why was it to their advantage? Why is it to our advantage? Because the Spirit would not have come if Jesus had first not been exalted. Amen? Amen. And this is where your sermon outline gets ready to kick in this morning. Here's what we learn. See, number one, Jesus sent the Holy Ghost because Jesus had what? He finished His work. Now you may be thinking, Brother Donnie, we're not to Easter yet. You're right. But we also know that the Holy Ghost has already come. Amen? Jesus finished His work. So preacher, tell me, what do you mean by Jesus finishing His work? Well, number one, that means Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. Of the Old Testament. Amen? They spoke about Him through the Word. It also means, number two, that means Jesus lived, died, and rose again on the third day, just like He said He what? That He would. When Jesus said, I'm going to do it, Jesus what? Jesus does it. Now, they may not have understood at the time, but guess what? They did finally grasp it. We still oftentimes evidently don't understand it. Because if we truly did, there would not be one lost person in this world. Amen? If we truly understand that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, not for himself, but for you, it would change everything about us. Because we'd want everyone to know the Jesus that lives within who? Within us. Number three, this means that Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, after he appeared to his disciples. And the Bible says he did not just appear to his disciples, but he appeared to what? Over 500 brethren at the same time. This was the work of the Father, that Jesus would come to seek and save that which was, his, that was lost, and he would give his body as an ultimate What? As an ultimate sacrifice. And Jesus knew the Spirit would not come until Jesus had finished His what? His work. It was Jesus' plan to never leave us what? To never leave us alone. And this is why the Bible says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And all of a sudden we see that the Counselor The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. There's this futuristic courtroom setting here in John, and Jesus tells His disciples the following. Look at verse 8. He says, When He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Basically, Jesus is saying that the Holy Ghost will come, and He will convict the world, if you want to use the right word, the cosmos... Now, who is this world that Jesus is referring to? Jesus is referring to all man what? To all mankind. So what does this mean? Well, it means number two on your outline. You ready? Jesus sent the Holy Ghost to give all people an opportunity to what? To believe. Jesus sent him not just so he would be with us at all times but Jesus sent him to make a way for all people to believe and i want you to notice how verses 8 through 11 spells out this threefold role of the holy ghost in this legal image of a counselor or a judge and this is in your sermon outline this morning are you ready your first asterisk is this jesus says the holy ghost is going to convict the world of what of sin the three letter word that we don't like to talk about, right, church? Because let's be honest, the word sin is evolving. Amen. The word sin, a lot of times people now use the word sin as, well, it's a choice. Well, I got a new got news for you this morning. You can label it all that you want to label it. You can label it a decision, a lifestyle, you can label it a choice, but I want to tell you something. Sin is still sin. And what is sin? Sin is anything that is outside the will of God for your life. Amen? That's what sin is. Thieving, deceiving, adultery, idolatry. You can name it and name it and name it. Laziness. All of these things are sinfulness in your life. That's why Jesus even raised the bar on sinfulness. If you remember, he said, I say, if you even look at a woman in, in what? You're committing Adultery. Well, Jesus, why in the world did you have to raise that bar of all bars, Lord? Right? Because we live in a world that's everywhere we look, there's what? There's sinfulness. It's on our phones. It's on our laptops. It's everywhere we go. It's where we shop. It's where we go out to eat. Everywhere we go, this three-letter word seems to follow us everywhere. Everywhere. But that's the first thing that Jesus talked about. Now, what sin is he referring to? Well, this is explained in the text. The sin that Jesus is talking about is the world's inability to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who lived, died, and what? And rose again. Now, church, hear me. People hear me at home. People can never see themselves as sinners if they're never convicted of their what? Of their sin. You will never see yourself as a sinner if you are never convicted of your what? Of your sin. Now in the book of Acts chapter 2, after the Spirit had been poured out on the disciples... And Peter is preaching this powerful message in Jerusalem to the same crowd, more than likely, that helped deliver and convict and have Jesus put to death. He told this crowd, you ready? He said, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the Holy what? You will receive the Holy Ghost. Now let's go back through that. He said what? Repent and be baptized, and you will receive what? you will receive the Holy Spirit. And that day alone, the Bible says that 3,000 people were added to the church. Pastor, what happened? We have a hard time getting 12 to join the church in a year. Amen? Pastor, what happened on that day? Well, let me tell you, are you ready? People were convicted of their sin of unbelief, and they finally realized that they wanted true forgiveness. They finally realized if they wanted genuine salvation, they finally realized if they wanted eternal security, they had to place their faith in the Savior that would throw their their sins as far as the east is from the what? From the west. They had to get real with themselves. They had to know that they were sinners. I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting people right now of their sins. I see it every Sunday morning on the faces of those that sit in their sanctuary, whether if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian. But here's what I've come to learn. Are you ready? In 13 years of pastoring, here's something I've come to learn. Conviction by the Holy Spirit does not always lead to confession of sin. And conviction by the Spirit doesn't always lead to a profession of faith. But I do believe that we can feel him knocking on the door. Amen. I do believe that we feel Him if He lives in our lives. I do believe that you feel Him right now if there's something going on in your life, if there's a sinful problem, if there's something that you need to get rid of, if there's something that's holding you down, if there's a habit that you've got involved in that you know, God, I don't need to be in this, I believe right now you can feel His grip on your soul saying, Repent! And ask for what? Ask for forgiveness. I believe we can feel his presence as he reveals our need of a Savior. But will you let him in? Will you let him in? At 11 years old, I felt the Holy Spirit knocking on my door. At 11 years old, telling me, you need a Savior. And it ain't you, it ain't your mama, it ain't your daddy, and it ain't your grandpa, your grandma, your uncle, your aunt. It's Jesus Christ. I felt the Holy Spirit knocking on my door. Some of you this morning, maybe that's what you're fighting. Maybe the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door. The second asterisk is this. Jesus says the Holy Ghost is going to convict the world concerning righteousness. Well, guess what? When the Jews and the Romans finally deemed Jesus guilty of false charges, it seemed the world had won, didn't it? Jesus had died on a cross in Golgotha, but three days later, Jesus rose. He was vindicated, and the reversal of the world's verdict against Him was seen as futile. And it's ironic. The Jews and the Romans thought it was righteous to kill a man who had come to give life, and to come to give life abundantly. But righteousness isn't found in the world. Amen? Amen righteousness isn't defined by man amen but righteousness is only found through a relationship with who with jesus christ and many people in this world they think well brother donnie pastor i can produce my own what i can produce my own righteousness i'm good enough Life is swell. Everything in life is just fine. But the world's view of righteousness and God's view of righteousness stand in stark differences. Amen? Romans 3, 21 through 22. This is what the Bible says. You ready? But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who be leave you want to be deemed righteous then you got to have a relationship with who with jesus christ i'm going to ask you you ready i'm going to i'm going to dabble this morning i'm going to get in your kitchen and move some stuff around are you ready if jesus if you stood right now in front of jesus what would be your conviction about your righteousness Would the Holy Spirit, would He expose a man? Would He expose a woman who received righteousness through faith? Or would there be evidence evidence proved that you tried to build your own what? Your own kingdom. And have you ever noticed what happens to the kingdoms that we tried to build on our own? They're always built on shifting what? On shifting sands. And they're here today. And they're gone What? And they're gone tomorrow. Third asterisk is this. Jesus says the Holy Ghost is going to convict the world concerning what? The word judgment. Now when Jesus was on the cross, Satan probably felt he was victorious, don't you think? I'm sure he was patting himself on the back and thought, well, look what I did to Jesus. And all I had to do was dangle a little bit of money in front of Judas all I had to do was get Jesus on that cross. All I had to do was to get the Jews to turn their back on Him. All I had to do was get the Romans to kill Him. See, neither the world, nor the cross, nor death, nor Satan could hold victory over the Creator and the Savior of the world. But the doom of Satan was solidified that day because judgment was handed down. And Jesus says in verse 11, the prince of this world now stands what? Condemned. And isn't it ironic on the day that Satan thought, well, guess what, Jesus? I'm going to take your life. I'm going to take your future. I'm going to take your goodness. It wasn't Jesus that stood condemned that day. Amen, church? It was Satan himself. That's who lost. And if the ringleader of evil stands condemned, we need to remember something. Are you ready? Then all of those who follow him stand what? They stand condemned as well. So now the court has been completed. The verdict is in. If you stood before Jesus today with the Holy Ghost, expose one that's been set free. Would the Holy Ghost expose one that's been deemed righteous through Jesus or would you be found guilty? Would you be found guilty? And when the Holy Ghost knocks on the door of an unbeliever, people have a choice. We can see sin for what it really is. Or we can continue to what? Ignore it. We can see righteousness is not produced by a man, but righteousness is produced by a relationship with Jesus. You can never be good enough on your what? On your own. Well, Brother Donnie, I feed the homeless. Brother Donnie, I clothe people. Brother Donnie, I, I help my neighbors. Brother Donnie, I give blood four, five, six times a week. Brother Donnie, I don't watch any bad shows. I don't cuss. I don't do all any of this bad stuff. Guess what? It's still not enough. It is still not enough. If you have not been washed, if you have not been saved, if you have not confessed Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're like a hamster in a wheel that just keeps on spinning. You have to do this in your life. You have a choice. And when we choose how we want to handle judgment that's to come, well, we have a choice in that as well. So now the question is this, and this is what Christians want to know, right? This is what we want to know as Christians. Well, what's the Holy Ghost going to do for me? Right? I mean, that's our world that we live in, isn't it? Brother Donnie, tell me, when I, when I get this ghost, right, when I trap him, when he comes into my life, well, what's the Holy Ghost? What's he going to do for me? Well, number three, Jesus sent the Holy Ghost to do what? Guide you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to guide you in all truths of the gospel. And I told you earlier that the belief in ghosts, what does it do to people? It creates fear, it creates anxiety, and it creates delusion. Well, I want to give you the truth of what the real Holy Ghost does. Amen? I want to give you the truth of what the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life once He comes into your life. And this is in your handout. Are you ready? Your asterisk. The Spirit lives in who? He lives in you. The Holy Spirit, if you've been saved, if you've been reborn, the Holy Ghost lives in you. John 14, 17 says, He lives with you and will be in you. This was part of Jesus' plan to never leave you what? Alone. Preacher, are you telling me that when I get saved, Jesus is literally living within me? Absolutely. Amen. The Holy Spirit's living in you right now. That's the one that tells you, get up and go to church. Amen? Get up. Read the Word of God. Get up. Pray. Pray for someone else. Get up and do what God wants you to do in your life. But the Holy Spirit lives in you. The second thing, the Holy Spirit seals you. The Holy Spirit seals you. That's your second asterisk. Well, Brother Donnie, what do you mean? Well, when we're saved by the grace of Jesus, something supernatural happens in our lives. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.13, Having believed, you were marked in Him a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. He is our deposit, amen? He is our inheritance, and this seal cannot be what? Cannot be broken. This seal cannot be broken. Thank Jesus for that, Amen. You've got a deposit. It's coming a time in your life when you die, you're going to be walking on those streets of gold. Amen coming a time in your life that you die you're not going to have to worry about cancer and heart attack, heart disease, your body failing, there's coming a time when you die there's not going to be any more tears there's not going to be any more suffering, there's going to come a time when you die where you don't have to worry about how you're going to make it from week to week, month to month year to year, there's going to be a time when you die that you don't look around and everywhere you see is nothing but sinfulness and horribleness and badness there's going to be a time when you die that you get to worship Jesus every single day, why is that? Because you've been sealed and nobody can take that from you amen nobody can take it the third asterisk of the spirit teaches us and some of us we struggle with this because we think we know everything some of us it's been a long time since you've been willing to let the spirit teach you anything John 14, 26, Jesus said this about the Holy Ghost, but the counselor whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. And then in verse 13, he says, he will not speak on his own, he will only speak on what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Spirit opens our eyes. The Spirit opens our hearts and our mind to the things of God and the truth of God's word, not man's word. And I want you to think about this. How many guides have you had in this world? How many guides have you had in this world? There's one common thing we want from every guide that we've ever had or that we ever will have. We want the truth. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit gives to us. He tells us The truth. And so when we are struggling, what does the Bible say about this sin? The Holy Ghost takes us back to God's what? To God's Word. When we're asking about God's will in our life, He takes us back to God's what? To God's Word. When we're struggling, you know, Brother Donnie, do I need to go to church? Do I need to be committed to church? Do I need to get involved in church? What do you think the Holy Ghost is going to tell you? Absolute because he wants to worship in spirit and he wants you to worship in what? He wants you to worship in truth. And then the next one is the spirit intercedes for us. We're going to talk about this on another Sunday coming up. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Romans eight twenty six. in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot, we can't express. There are Sundays when you come to church. And you sit out in this crowd, and your heart is pounding. You can't wait for that invitation. There are things going on in your life. You don't know exactly what to pray for, but you know the Holy Ghost is telling you to get up and go to that altar and what? And pray. The Bible says He's going to intercede for you. He's going to help you. And you cannot sit here and tell me there aren't some things in your world that need to be improved. Amen? then we need to grow closer to God. And then lastly, the Spirit is our spiritual gift what? He's our spiritual gift giver, amen? 1 Corinthians 12 says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives each of them to one just as He determines. Now what are we talking about, preacher? We're talking about your spiritual gift that you got when God sealed you with the Holy Ghost. So we're talking about teaching, kindness, wisdom, knowledge, serving, giving leadership and the list goes on and on and on these truths these gifts the bible says is going to bring glory to who to jesus ask yourself this right now are you ready what is your spiritual gift what is it and then the second part of it are you using it are you using your spiritual gifts for your brothers and your sisters in Christ Jesus. E.M. Bounds once said, What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use. Amen. Are you letting the Holy Spirit use you? You know, maybe this morning, as we get ready to get into our invitation, maybe the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door maybe it's time that you need to confess Jesus as your Savior maybe it's time there's a sin in your life that's been holding you back the Bible says that Satan's already been condemned but we have a choice, we can believe we can ask for forgiveness, we can be eternally sealed by the Holy Spirit so I want to ask you does the Holy Spirit live within you? Does the Holy Ghost, does He live within you? And is there proof of that in your life? Is there proof that Jesus lives in your heart? The Holy Spirit is alive this morning, amen? And the Holy Spirit is knocking on doors. The question is, are you going to let Him guide you? The question is, are you going to let Him use you? The question is, are you going to respond? So this morning as Billy comes and we have our time of invitation, and maybe there's some of you in here this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit just needs to make you a little bit uncomfortable, amen? Maybe the Holy Spirit needs to shake some things up. You've been a little bit complacent. We've been a little bit lethargic. Maybe the Holy Spirit needs you to come and to pray and just let God do God's will in your life and not your own. I don't know what it is this morning, but you do. This is your opportunity. This is your moment. Will you come as we sing this morning?